0: Good afternoon, everyone. Are you pure in heart? Okay, another question would be What does God look like? Well, if you're pure in heart, you will one day. See God. Somebody asked one time, what does Jesus look like? Was His hair short or long? Uh, Was the color of His skin dark or light or somewhere in the middle? Was, Was Jesus tall or small? Was He thin or wide? And the person that, was, that heard the question said, Well, come over to my house. I've got a picture of him over the mantle. See exactly what he looks like. No, we don't know the answer to those questions as to what God looks like. However, we can look forward to seeing God one day. If... We are pure in heart. And so Jesus in the Beatitudes and where we are today just simply said to the people who were listening as He sat on the mountain and looked down at the people or looked around at the multitude of people who were listening to Him preach these uh, respective characteristics of life that a person should be trying to obtain and maintain in their life to be pure in heart to be meek and merciful and mournful to be a person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness and to be pure in heart now as far as definitions goes we're defining blessed as happy happy are those who have these characteristics or happy is a person who is pure in heart or fortunate is a person who's pure in heart well off if you're a pure in heart you're well off well do you want to be well off? I do do you want to be fortunate? do you want to count yourself as fortunate? do you want to be happy? I do I want to be blessed by God. Well, how do you do that, Brother Mickey? Well, be pure in heart. All right, what does that mean? So we're going to sort of define, describe what it means to be pure in heart because if we're going to be that, we need to know. We need to know if we are and then keep doing it. And we we need to know if we're not. To make some changes in our life that we need to make so that we would be pure in heart. Have a heart that's pure. So let's just follow along with these thoughts and descriptions of what it means to be pure in heart or have a pure heart. To be pure means to be clean and free from impurities or contaminants. Okay, Pure gold is how many carats? 24. So if you have pure gold it would be 24, they counted in carats, 24 carat gold. Now 24 carat gold is very heavy and it's also very what? Soft. So, like, my wedding ring that I have is, is 14 karat gold, which means it has whatever the amount of gold. Pure is 24. Mine is only 14. So there's, there's impurities in my ring. And in this case, it's a positive thing because it's included or mixed in with the gold to make it stronger. So whatever's mixed in with the gold, and then they mix that in there and then they create this ring that I have. And other items that we have that are gold. In the Old Testament, the the Ark of the Covenant and other items in the temple were made from wood and other other items, but... It was overlaid with the, he says, pure gold. That would mean the 24 karat kind. They would get rid of all the contaminants, contaminants, and extras and impurities to make that gold pure. And how they did that, and how we do that, is to heat it. So you heat the gold, and then the gold settles to the bottom, and all the impurities then we can take off the top. Then you'll have pure gold. In a real sense, God allows us to go through trials and tests and temptations in order to purify us, in order to help us have a purer character, a purer mind, and in this case a purer heart. The more we have to go through in life, the purer we are. We know how it is. We know how it feels. We know because we've been there in that test or that trial or that temptation. In Titus chapter 1 in verse 15 Titus chapter 1 in verse 15 the Apostle Paul talks about people who are impure in their hearts and he talks about people who are pure in their hearts. So some people have a pure heart, some people have a impure heart. Listen to this. He said, to the pure, all things are pure. That's really kind of, it was odd to me when I read that. To the pure, everything is pure. We'll talk about that in a moment. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the impure, nothing is pure. And that sort of tells me that you're either pure... Or you're impure. There can be no other way. The moment in time that you are contaminated by sin, you are no longer pure. And the moment in time that sin is removed from your heart, you are pure. You can't be a little pure and a little impure. You're either pure or impure. And of course, we're going to end this lesson on what makes the difference. But a person with a pure heart looks for the good in anything and everything. A person with a pure heart looks for good in life. They get up of a morning and they look for something positive. And I have found when you look for something positive, what will you find? Something positive. And the adverse is also true. If you look for something positive, Negative and impure. What are you going to find? Negative and impure? Some people who are pure see the good in in others all the time. And the I was thinking about, and I haven't watched this movie in a long time, but the title of it was Hook. Captain Hook and... All the Peter Pan movies, but this one was sort of the when Robin Williams played uh, Peter Pan. And you know, uh, he had grown up, came, left the boys, and came to the real world and had children. And Hook came and kidnapped his children. And make a long story short, at the end of the movie, Peter Pan has Captain Hook right where he wants him. And he's about to destroy him or slay him. And Robin Williams' little girl, which not really his girl, just in the movie, came and tugged on his pants and said, Daddy, he's just a mean old man who never had a mother. Do you remember that? If you've seen the... we feel, we feel sorry for him. He's just a mean old man who never had a mother. And what she's saying is if, if he had had a mother, oh, he wouldn't be this way. He'd be totally different. And, and I think about that little girl and thinking, she's pure in heart. She even sees this dastardly demon and finds something positive and good to say concerning him. And of course there are others who, because they have an impure heart, will find impurities even in the greatest Christian saint in the church. And no matter what you do as a Christian, how you think as a Christian or what you say as a Christian, people who are impure will find something impure in it. Why? Not because there is anything. It's just it is with them. Because they're looking through eyes of impurity. Eyes of sin. When we in Christ Jesus are to look through Jesus' eyes, the eyes of purity, to find something good, in any situation, several years ago, I wa- my son and I were in the car together. Cindy so will remember this. We were getting off at an exit, and there was like something going on over here. I don't know, maybe a car show or something. So, you know, I don't know if it was me or my son that says, Oh, look at that car show. So, you know, I turned and looked at the car show. And when I turned back, the car in front of me had stopped. And you know what I did? Crashed right in the back of the car. And you know, felt terrible about it, got out. You know, are you okay? It's a a lady, you know, a little bit younger than me, but she said, oh, I'm okay. Are you okay? I said, I'm so sorry I did that. You know, it was my fault the whole time. I, I, I was looking over there at that car show course you're not ever supposed to admit fault i know that but i guess it shows a kind of heart you could have but anyway we stood there and talked for about 20 minutes while the police officer came gave her my card told her i was a minister talked about where she went to church and i made a good friend and i, I said later if i had never looked over there and hit her in the back end of her car i would have never met a good friend There's something positive in everything. If you just look for it, even in a car accident, you can find something if and only if you have a mind and a heart of purity. So we should all seek to have a heart of purity. So the question is, what about me? What about you? When God looks at me, what does He see? Does He see... A pure heart within me. So one who looks for good in everything and sees it. So I choose to do that. And I'm preaching and teaching so that you will look for the good in anything that happens. Now, does that mean everything that happens is good? Well, of course not. Even the scriptures tell us that God has no pleasure in the death of those who die. He has no pleasure in that. But can God work everything out for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose? Certainly He can. God has no pleasure in negative things, in death and sin. But God can because of His pure heart take the most negative circumstance and see something good in it. Even going through the fire of life that you and I have to go through, the fires of pain, the fires of temptation, the fires of trials and tests, the fires of doubt, we go through those fires. And on the other side, aren't we stronger? Aren't we better? Aren't we wiser? Because we've gone through them? And you may be even going through a fire now going, you know what, it's tough. This is hard. I don't know if I can make it. Just make it. Because if you decide to, or when you decide to, as you decide to, to make it on the other side, oh, you're going to be so much more beautiful in the eyes of God because He's purifying you, making you greater and better. In Luke chapter 16... Verse 15, 16, and 17, little children were brought to Jesus so that he might touch them and bless them. I wish I could have been there with my two. I'd have certainly found out and where he was and I'd have brought them to him. I said, Lord, I want, to, I want you to see my little girl and my little boy. Bring them over, you know, bring them over here to me. And of course his disciples, they said, look, the master doesn't have time for you. Don't, can't you see he's preaching and teaching? And Jesus overheard that. And he said, allow those little children to come to me and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he took those children up in his arms and loved them and blessed them. What kind of heart did Jesus have? Boy, he had a pure heart. Never did turn anybody down. He told then afterwards, as he had those little children, he said, except you become like one of these little children, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Now he's not talking about how we ought to be like a child in pitching a temper tantrum. Because we don't get our way. Or crying and complaining because we're asked to do something that we didn't want to do. He's not talking about those kinds of attitudes or characteristics. But the attitude of purity. I can't think of anyone more pure than a little child. Unpretentious. I mean, a little child will just tell you. My sister is a kindergarten teacher, has been for over 30 years. Still is today. She said she'll probably die in her kindergarten class teaching her kids. But every year, at the beginning of the year, the first year, she sends a letter home with every child in their backpack. And it's quite simple. It's the rules of the class, but the very bottom, she says... A promise from me to you. My promise is that if you do not believe everything your child says about me, I will not believe everything your ch- child says about you. Because she has story. my sister has stories to tell. Because a five-year-old, four, five-year-old, will tell you everything. This is what mama said. This is what daddy said. And this is what they did. And this is how they did it. And this is how it looked. And this is what I saw. And oh, and my sister's like, "Uh, uh, I believe we just better stop right here, okay? Uh, (laughs) Pure in heart. Honest. A person of integrity. A person who looks for the good. In everything. How, if we are either pure or impure, we start out pure. There's a certain time in every person's life where one, one moment ago they were pure. And one moment later, they are impure because of sin. And we don't have an age of when that is. In some some, uh, civilizations, it's 13 years old. In some civilizations, it's 15 years old or 16 years old. Some, it's 18 years old. Some, it's 21 years old. Some, it's 25 years old. Even in America, at 18 years old, you're different. At 21 years old, it's a, it's a, a plateau you, you reach for and get on it at 21. There are things you can do at 21 you cannot do legally at 20. And so that moment in time where you have your birthday and you go from 20 to 21, it's different we realized that when our children were growing up, that uh, and, and you've probably realized that, realized that too, 25 is one of those ages. If you, if you buy car insurance at 25, your car insurance goes from like almost unaffordable to affordable at 25. So there's these ages that are set. Well, in a human being, between that human being and the Almighty God, there's a moment in time where we go from impure and don't go from pure to impure because of sin. What age is that? So who can know? And that depends upon the person. Let me give you an example. There's a day that a mother goes to the grocery store. And where do they put all the gum and mints and candy, little toys and all of that? Where where do they put that? I mean, I know it's in the toy department, but it's at the checkout. And it's on this side, and it's on this side, and it's even high up where somebody in the buggy can reach over there. And so the mother has a, you know, a five-year-old and a that's down here, and then she's got a two- or three-year-old up in the buggy. And she's putting her buggy, uh, groceries on the counter, you know? And, you know? And she's talking to the attendant and loading the groceries. And you know, and little Johnny's right here. And he's oh, just keep your hands off that. Keep your hands off this. And, you know, and finally she pulls the buggy on over there, gets the groceries back into the buggy like she needs to, pays for the groceries, and she's pushing her cart out to, to, toward the car. And she looks, she hadn't noticed the little girl sitting in the buggy. And she looks at the little girl, and there she's holding a Hershey bar, half eaten, with the chocolate all over her mouth. And she looks and, what did you do? And the little girl just smiling, mmm, took another big bite of the Hershey bar. And of course, the brother's saying, why can't, "Why can't I have one?" She got a candy bar, and the mother's like, "Oh, what am I going to do?" So you know what she does? she turns the grocery cart back around, she goes back into the grocery store only to meet two security guards and a Louisville Metro police officer who cuff her two-year-old and haul her off to jail, right? Because she committed the crime of shoplifting. Is that true? Why, no. She goes in and she apologizes to the lady at the checkout. I am so sorry. She pulls out her wallet and the lady said, Well, you know, it happens sometimes. And, you know, you were busy and it's okay Uh, here. Let me, it's, uh, you know... Eighty nine cents or a dollar nineteen and she pays for the candy bar and she looks at the little girl and reprimands her and says, Don't you do that anymore? And the lady says, Well now, you know, they put the, the managers put that candy up here and you know we, we have this, you know, you know the conversation could happen. There's no sin being committed. It's all innocent. Because it's just a little child who saw candy, and she didn't know any better. But there comes a time, and I don't know when that time is, where the same mother is in in the grocery store with the cart. And now she has a child who is an older age, and the child says to the mother, I'm going to, uh, mother, while you check out, I'm going to look at these magazines. She says, okay, you can look at the magazines and I'll, I'll just get us checked out, and then we'll go. And then the mother's talking to the checkout lady about life and whatever, checking out. Meanwhile, the young lady, whatever age she is, if you could see her, she would look to the right she would look to the left. She would look around. And she would take the Hershey bar and slip it in her purse. Close her purse. And then walk up to the mother and say, okay, I'm ready. What is the difference between those two stories, those two examples? Could you see a difference when one was innocent and one was as guilty as sin? One was innocently, wanted a candy bar, did not know any difference. Even though the mother had taught her, she still didn't grasp the, the, these facts of life because her, her mental capabilities are not the same. The other young lady, or maybe the same young lady that had grown up, whatever age it might be, looking to the left and looking to the right, knowing in her heart that was impure, knowing what she was about to do was against the law, both morally and legally, and accomplished that and committed that sin. In a moment, she went from pure to impure. And she didn't even get to enjoy the candy bar yet. And if you've been there, either yourself or one of your children, you've probably found, as Cindy and I have in the past, that that sin will literally eat your child up in their conscience I've experienced this with families in the church who come to me with they don't know what's wrong with their daughter they don't know what's wrong with their son they won't talk to them there's, there's obviously some kind of problem Mickey we don't know what and then when I get an opportunity to speak to that young lady or young man it comes out what they've done that they were so ashamed of to tell their parents but they shared that with me. And then we get the parents back together put that out. And it's such a load that's lifted off of the young person who has done something they knew was wrong. They had sinned. And the guilt of their conscience had, because of the Them going from a pure heart and knowing what that was like to now having an impure heart and knowing how they stood before God, how they stood before their parents. What kind of person am I to do something like this? How do we then, is it possible to go from, we know it's possible to go from purity to impurity. Can we go from impurity to purity? And there's only one way to go from impurity to purity. There is no other religion in the world where you can become born again. You can literally have a brand new life. So that everything you've ever thought, said, or done in the past could be forever forgiven and forgotten by God, and by everyone involved. Where you could actually be forgiven, pardoned. So that you'd be 100% pure again. 24 karat gold again. Jesus in John 14 verse 6 said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We can approach God in purity through Jesus Christ and be pure once again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 beginning, we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God Now unrighteous is just another word for impure So you're you're like you are pure or impure you are righteous or unrighteous there was a politician not too long ago that said, I want everybody to know that I am 99% honest. What does that mean? You're dishonest. You you can't be 99% honest. Or 99%... You're either 100% honest or not. The moment you show dishonesty, you're dishonest. So you're either righteous or unrighteous. And it's the same sort of picture as pure and impure. We're righteous, but when we sin, we become unrighteous or unright. We're no longer right with God because of sin. How do we get from unrighteous to righteous? How do we get from impure to pure? And so he says that. He said, "Don't you know if you're impure, if you're unrighteous, you will not go to heaven. you will not see the kingdom of God. You will not enter the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. In other words, don't think you will. If somehow or other, you're going to try to deceive God and letting you in. That and you've heard me offer the invitation this way several times. We all want to hear God say, well done, right? He will not say well done if we haven't done well. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Okay, In order for him to say you're a good and faithful servant, uh, servant, you know what you have to be? A good and faithful servant. If you're not good, He can't say it. If you're not faithful, He can't say it, won't say it. If you're not a servant, how can God declare that? We can't be, we can't try to fool God. We want to hear Him say, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Lord. But if we haven't been a good and faithful servant, and if we haven't done well in living our lives... So He says... The unrighteous will not see the kingdom of God. Well, we better be righteous. If we're unrighteous, we're not going to see it. If we're impure, we won't make it. Well, who in here, outside of Jesus, is pure? There might be a few. Some of our children are in here. But there was a moment in your life and mine that we went from impure. I mean, we went from pure to impure. How do we get back there? The the impure, the unrighteous will not see the kingdom of God, will not inherit it. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of us might be saying, well, you hit for a while you didn't hit me, but then you hit me. Then notice what he says. And of such, or and such were some of you. And, and such were some of you. Now, if you were something, are you still that? If you were unrighteous, are you still unrighteous? No, if that's something you were, that means you're different now than then. And of, of such were were some of you. You were that. Well, what would, what changed? What was the difference between what I was and what I am? So he he goes ahead and tells us, "And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, you were justified, In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus was the difference. Jesus, you came to Jesus. First, He came to you. He came to this earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't have to. He came and lived the Christian life in front of us. The life of Christ. He lived His life in front of us to show us that we could do this. Then he says, come to me with your troubles, and I will help you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. In other words, follow me. Imitate me. Do what I ask you to do. If I go, you go. If I stop, you stop. If I start, you start. Follow me. Have my mind. Let this mind be at you, in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let my your mind... Be like mine. Let your words be like mine. Let no word proceed out of your mouth except that which builds up and, and gives grace to the hearers. What, my, what I say, you say. What I think, you think. The choices I make, where I go and where I don't go. How I live my life. Live like Christ would have us to live our lives. And so he's saying, I'm, we come to Jesus. He comes to us first and says, come to me. And then we say, I'm right here. I want to come to you. Well, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Jesus had just died. And Peter lifted up his voice and said, This same Jesus whom you crucified has been made both Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the Savior we've been waiting on to save us from our sins. And He's now been killed by vicious and cruel hands and you know the the people cried out what shall we do We're, we're pure and then we sin and now we're impure we're righteous and then we do things wrong we sin now we're unrighteous and we cry out what shall we do Where is the recourse? Where is the path back to where we came from? There must be one. Well, the one you just crucified, been made both Lord and Christ. And what Peter said to them is, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Jesus described that baptism as being born again in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. Except a man is born again, he'll not see the kingdom of heaven. He'll not be in heaven. And that's where we want to be. That's the goal for our life, is to be in heaven in the end. The only way is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We can't get back to purity except through Him. He tore down the wall of sin and He created a pathway, a bridge from impurity to purity so that we could have once again a pure heart. Let me, isn't it beautiful? Those of you who are Christians, isn't it beautiful? It puts a smile on my face every evening before I lie, I lie down at night to know that when I pray and confess my sin that day to my Father, that He forgives me of my sin and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And so I can lay down at night knowing my confidence in Christ Jesus and what He's done for me and His promises that He's made me, that He said to me, you confess your sin, I'm faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 A verse I live by And every Christian Should and and we do Without That confidence that I'm no longer Impure Was I? Yes Am I? No I I was We were But we're not now What's the difference? Our faith and trust in what Jesus has accomplished for us when He shed His blood for our sin. Once for all time. And that's where where we go to, that fount of every blessing, that that fountain we go to for cleansing and washing every single day. When we are unrighteous, we can be made righteous. When we are impure, we can be made pure. In what Jesus has done for not just us, but for every one of the human race, past, present, and future, Christ has given and done and created and made a pathway for all of us to walk. Blessed, happy, fortunate, well-off, are the pure in heart. And that's none of us outside of Jesus. But in Jesus, it's all of us. When we come to Him, or come to the Father by Him, then He justifies us, sanctifies us, and washes us by the Spirit of God. I I don't fully understand how it's done, but I can understand if your hands are dirty, what do you need to do? Not that hard. And, and uh, let me tell you, that stuff you squirt out over here in the lobby, don't do it much justice if your hands are dirty. Best thing to do, wash them. And that's how we come to Jesus. And he'll wash us clean. Whatever your need might be, we stand ready to help you. You come as we stand together and sing.